This podcast is brought to you by the founders of Chabra Chai, an authentic and completely sugar-free chai tea company. This series, our theme will be inspiration. You don't have to save the world to be inspiring. And our friends are perfect examples of that, inspiring us every single day by being unapologetically themselves. Hi guys, and welcome back to the No Added Sugar podcast with myself, Casey, Ruby, and Fatima. Hi! (laughs) And today we are joined with someone very, very special, Elle Ward. Oh, hello, hello. <laughs> I love that introduction. I want that every day when I enter a room. <laughs> I'll follow you around. Elle yeah. Ward, guys. Um, so Elle is founder of Sustainable Hustle, which is a platform for propelling sustainable fashion and living initiatives to engage and educate consumers on how to shop and live more sustainably, which I think is really important right now. Um, and she's also now part of a new tech startup called Kogo, which is really, really exciting, um, which connects consumers with issues that they care about. So, Al, we'd love to, you to tell us a bit more about that, because I think it's really about both. Topic. Yeah. yeah, right now. Yeah, so thank you very much um, for having me. So, yeah, in terms of sustainable hustle, mm. I just start from there. So, I set that up as somebody who really wanted to try and be more sustainable. Um, in How did you think of, of the name? Choices. Because the idea was that sustainability is actually quite an exclusive um field in a sense mm. when i was looking at brands and stuff everything was so expensive not to mention like really ugly like white organic t-shirt price like 120 pounds like okay so what mm. so hustle came from the idea of like i've always been quite savvy in terms of like finding like fashion pieces and stuff and then the addition that was also my side hustle because yeah. um, I started it when I had a full-time job. And when I started it, I kind of had no intention for it to kind of go like anywhere, let's say. It was more to kind of hold myself accountable. I had a New Year's resolution that I wanted to be more sustainable in my fashion practices and choices. Um, so it was to hold me accountable and to try and explore stuff. Mm. And I soon realised there wasn't much out there that I liked that fitted me so hence I started documenting it a lot more and also educating myself as well because when I started to try and be more sustainable I assumed that you could literally just enter into Google like how do you do it like easy steps (laughs) or like a directory of brands but there was nothing there there was no kind of like literally even researching this Mm. it's just like what is it yeah Yeah. exactly exactly there was no kind of one place um to go to so I was doing that when I had a full-time job and my full-time job was very different to that it was in household consumables um so yeah completely different from fashion a lot of plastic fantastic products Mm. and working in that company particularly in PR you know I had no clue where anything was coming from whatsoever um so it really made me realize the lack of kind of transparency that was out there and drove me to be more in sustainable hustle to kind of have that balance Mm. what kind of stuff were you like originally posting because you said it was to hold yourself accountable yeah I just think if I was to start a sustainable Instagram account, I wouldn't yeah, know yeah. the first thing to post. Completely. So I was literally like just finding um, like a T-shirt that I'd buy for myself and then just posting about that brand story. Um, and because, as I said, I was really struggling to like find nice stuff. As soon as I did, I was so excited by yeah. that. Um, so I was literally just posting, like literally like, be like, Dad, can you like take a photo of me in this like, T-shirt? <laughs> or like I tried it on self-time there. Like my content was Poor, 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 poor. What would like draw you to a p- particular brand and make you think, right, yeah, this is something that I want to post about. This brand is sustainable. Completely. My my priority was like not even needing to know something was sustainable, as in like choosing that style first and not needing to compromise on an aesthetic um, to fit with being sustainable. That was my main priority. Like I would wear this anyway, regardless of the story. It's an amazing addition. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of like guided myself and also price point as well, that it was accessible. Obviously there's a balance in terms of like, you're going to need to pay a bit more and educate yourself that, you know, £10 for a t-shirt isn't right, but there's also a fine line there. You yeah. don't need to... It doesn't need to be 120. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. So have you always been interested in fashion or is it like something that's developed maybe when you got a little bit older and then when did like the sustainability thing like really kick in for yeah, you? Yeah, completely. So I always actually wanted to go into fashion But I had this kind of preconception for myself, but also one that I think a lot of people think that, you know, fashion is just this kind of frivolous, 
industry like mm. full of a bunch of girls running around like yeah I don't know. <laughs> skinny models exactly <laughs> like a really kind of nasty industry mm. it's you know built on kind of vanity but actually you know the fashion industry as I know now from my research is worth 32.2 billion pounds and is so caught yeah. up in politics and gender equality yeah. and just so, much, so much in general so I was kind of put off going into that, even though, like, when I was younger, it was all I wanted to do, like, go to, like, London College of Fashion. Yeah, the dream. Really, like, in school being, like, really fashionable. Oh, stop. Yeah, no, <laughs> I did what I could do with that dress code. <laughs> no, I really remember. Like, it, it seemed like a natural progression. Yeah. Didn't know your like story. Yeah. Even doing like textiles for GCSE, I remember being like, oh my god, like why are you doing textiles? Like that's such like a kind of easy way out. I'd be like, it's actually quite hard. Very like, difficult. I really like love fashion and it's my stuff. Passion. Yeah. So I think I was like naturally put off that. And also I was really interested in like politics and culture and stuff and didn't feel like the two could ever kind of sit synonymously. So hence went down like a more academic route and went and studied anthropology in Manchester, which I love. But, you know, now that I'm engaged with Sustainable Hustle and everything I do there, I realise so much that fashion is, to an extent, politics. politics. It's mm. so embedded in that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. the way we dress, it has so much cultural history and can also be, like, a very powerful political statement. So, yeah, that was a long way of answering the question, but I think it's an interesting one to touch on because, uh, yeah, fashion for a long time is just very yeah. synonymous with that kind of aspect of it. But it's not. It's so much more. So, yeah. And then with Kogo as well, so that's kind of linking in, working nicely with your ethos as well. So what's kind of the brand? What is Kogo? Completely. So Kogo is a new um, technology um, app that focuses on helping consumers um, connect to businesses that support issues that they care about. So whether that be fair trade or they want to make sure that they get their coffee from somewhere that pays the London living wage, which also falls into sustainability, um, a whole range of things. So, so it allows you loads to make of every product. Yeah, so literally from your morning coffee to um, going to buy some snacks for your um, day at work and maybe you want to go to a package-free store, it allows you to go everywhere throughout your day or you want to go for food and drink um, that night, what's your best option or you want to buy an item of clothing Um, and even now working as well on financial services. So maybe you want to bank with a co-op because actually they give a lot more back to the community. Um, so yeah, a really exciting place to be because again, my initial kind of challenge when I wanted to be more sustainable and hence when I set up Sustainable Hustle was because there was no yeah. one place to yeah. go. So it's a really exciting time to be there. We're constantly kind of growing and also a big kind of education piece. Um, but what's really exciting about Kogo is it connects to your spending. So you can see, um, you know, what you've contributed as an individual and how those small actions that is so amazing. add up. Wow. But yeah, watch this space very <laughs> early days. Yeah. So excited to be a part of it and fits perfectly with what and I've I like been doing. that it's not like just clothes. It's not like, where can I get completely nice pants from or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like every aspect pants. of your life. <laughs> pants <laughs> the opportunities are endless like like with the especially with the fashion part of Koga I mean you could you could head that department there yeah I'm sending a few suggestions that's yeah. something yeah. come on girl because sustainable fashion is something that people are hearing more and more about nowadays that's something that I think people especially our age will be really interested in because I think we still don't really understand exactly what it is mm. Could you like explain that a little bit more? Yeah, completely. So sustainable fashion and sustainability in general is a term that can be so confusing and like so kind of isolating in a way that puts people off doing anything because I think, you know, what even is sustainability? Where do I start? Like, is it about veganism? Because actually, like, I'm not vegan, but obviously I care about, you know, workers' rights and fair trade or, um, you know, plastic and going um, package free so I would start by saying sustainability you need to decide for yourself what's most important for you and there's no right or wrong way to do it there are aspects of it of course that you need to focus on Um, but for me what guides me is transparency both in terms of production um, when we're talking about um, how clothing or any products made, but also in terms of workers' rights at every level, from the intern who's working at Fashion Week 20 hours a day, not getting paid, to the person who's making that garment. Um, and that's the most um, important thing that guides me in my work. How do you reconcile the tension between people saying that they're getting paid because people are buying the products and if you stop buying the products or you boycott the brand, they're losing money and they won't get paid anything. So how, how do you sort of manage that? Do you stop buying it or... Because these people still need to get paid in these factories. 
Completely. Um, I think that's a really good point and one that a lot of people ask and is often really dismissed, saying, oh, well, that wouldn't happen. And I completely understand people's thinking that way. Um, I would say one of the main things that you can do as a consumer, first and foremost, is to advocate, you know, to write to these brands and be like, you know, Topshop, I really like what you're doing, you know, but I want to know about your transparency yeah. and I want to know how you are being um, more sustainable in your practice. And the more people who do that... Um, the more kind of pressure is put on these companies. In addition to that as well, you know, politics has to play a part in it. For example, the UK at the moment have just done the environmental audit as part of the environmental committee onto fast fashion and are talking about the fact that they're going to start taxing fast fashion companies. So therefore okay. putting that pressure on. So I'd say first and foremost, the best thing you can do as a consumer is not to kind of like panic and like, close your eyes when you walk past Topshop, but it's actually to reach out and start that conversation um, and to make that kind of systemic change there. It's not about suddenly stopping mm. to buy things, which I soon learned that, you know, that's never going to be productive. Yeah. The high street can still exist, yeah. but it has the opportunity to do amazing things if there's enough pressure to exist in the best possible yeah. way. And how far do you take it into your life? Like, so obviously, like, people are stopping buying single-use plastics and, like, plastic bottles, but, like, do you do it in, like, your skincare? I know that's a thing, like, clean skincare, like, beauty, mm. like, how far... Because I met someone when I was doing this, like, coding camp thing, um, and she would travel, like, far out of London to get, like, um, cereals that didn't come in boxes or, like... How's she getting there? Yeah, she just was travelling far. But on car? By car? I don't know, train, I don't know. She was Why is that relevant? Because then, like, you're, you're burning, like... You're making yeah, she has to go out there to get it. Yeah, but then sure. you're like using yeah. petrol to get there. So it's like you do you know what I mean? It's like but I think she was very she didn't she didn't drive. She got like um bars for her hair, bars for her, she didn't used to wash her hair that much because she wanted to save water. Like that was like very extreme um kind of sustainable, I think. Anyway. Completely. And I think like both like what you guys are saying there it can become so obsessive mm. and so consuming and so judgy and actually it's okay that sometimes oh my god like I forgot my water bottle and I'm so thirsty it's okay to buy one like you can have some water you know and it's that kind of but it's about changing things to your daily life also for example the other day I spent all this money on buying um some clean beauty products shampoo and conditioner not testing on animals chemical free all that jazz and I've been using it, and are we allowed to swear? It's crap. It's shit. Yeah, it's so it's crap. It's so shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's to do with the fact that all clean beauty products are yeah. really bad, that I just need to find another one, and that's going to take time. And also, it's okay to hold these products accountable to be like, you know, actually, this didn't work for me, as yeah. you would complain about any other product. But in terms of my daily life, I just try and make as many smart choices as possible. Mm. And also, what's great about sustainability is your buddy's saving money, you know? Really? You know, in terms of, you know, bringing your packed lunch in every day, oh, just in oh, terms yeah. of getting, you oh, know, yeah. these daily things that you're doing. And also, I consume so much less now as yeah. well. So in terms of clothing, I really save and invest in really nice pieces that I love um, and treasure. Um, but yeah, I just try and make daily steps every day and to not kind of shame people, but also not to shame myself and put yeah. too much pressure on myself. Mm, yeah. I think like, also I'm trying to do more of like, by timeless things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's really exactly. hard because fashion feels, changes so much. Yeah, but I just feel like if you buy like a staple thing, like obviously it's easier said than done, but when you have like that coat that you've had for you, or like, I don't know, mm. I just feel like it's so tiring keeping up with trends. Like mm. I can't do it. And I just, I, the funds aren't there. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> I just, I, I, I can't. Like rather yeah. if you just have like, that's that dress that I love, really love, or that's yeah, that exactly. top that I keep re-wearing. I don't know. It is obviously really hard, but I just think it does make so much more yeah. sense. Well, I think social media really feeds into it as well, because, like, yeah. you see this, and, like, I need to get this outfit, and I need to recreate it, like... Yeah. And but then... isn't it sad, because it's sort of like we care more about ourselves and, like, the way we look mm -hmm. and how we put other people perceive us of more than the people that are suffering that have to make yeah. all of these garments. I was just, yeah, completely. I was listening to this thing with Livia Firth and she said, when you buy clothes, only try, like, before you buy it, think, can I wear this at least 30 times? Ooh, yeah. And if you can, th then buy it. That piece is for you. Mm -hmm. If you think, I'm only really going to wear this twice or it'll just be this summer. Yeah, I'm not doing then that anymore. Don't buy it. Hmm. That's just ridiculous. And that's the thing. It's That's, again, re-educating ourselves. The first thing you can do, your relationship with clothing. So, you know, it's better to almost buy something from a high street brand 
that you're going to wear 30 times then be like oh my goodness I'd need to be more sustainable so I'll buy from this really expensive brand mm. like you know I probably should start doing it and mm. you're never going to wear it you know what's the point in that <laughs> so it's true. about treasuring yeah. like your clothing and mm. respecting that relationship um I think is what drives me mm. what actually is fast fashion like what does it mean yeah it'd be good to get some reality. definitions yeah so in terms of fast fashion, it is, there's no kind of one size fits all definition, but it is going at a pace that is completely unethical and unsustainable for the environment in summary. And I get that that's a completely loose, loose summary, but producing at a rate that is completely degrading to our environment and at a pace that is completely jumping on a trend as opposed to actually creating for a season. So if you go back and look at how fashion was, the reason we have fashion weeks is because we go to a season. You know, we're creating literally to our climate, winter, yeah. coats, summer, these staples. Whereas now that's completely gone out the window and fast fashion as well, going back to social media, has been so propelled recently because, you know, you see something that whoever wore at the, I don't know, the Met Gala. Okay, maybe not the Met Gala, it's a bit extreme. <laughs> but I don't know, some kind of event, event yeah. that took place on social media and it's all over there. Two days later, it rocks up. Fashion Nova. Yeah. On, yeah, Fashion Nova or Misguided. <laughs> yeah. And the pace of that is completely unsustainable. So, sorry, that's a very rambling answer. Mm. But I would say fast fashion is producing at a rate that, is completely degrading for environment and the people who are making it in summary i guess visualizing it, it is that's a really good way of putting it like the transition from different cuts like throughout the year oh they might you might have a in winter in summer we have shorter clothing or like summer is all about looser clothing or whatever for the season to like yeah now we've got cycling shorts or now we've got exactly like, it literally is like you're following rather than and moving from each of the four seasons, you're moving to like lots of different yeah. trends. Yeah, literally, because it's like what it's like what you're What's doing it? in your life. Like it's the holiday edit, it's the yeah, festival edit. Completely. It's like rather and, than just hot cold. Yeah. Mm. Although I do like those edits. I do yeah. like the festival. I mean, edits. don't get me wrong. We're really struggling <laughs> with the sustainable fashion. Yeah. And I think going back, sorry, to a better answer to fast fashion, it's about the disposability of it as well. It's the way that we as a consumers are buying fashion, knowing that we're just wearing it for that one occasion yeah. and that disposableness of it, but also retailers knowing that they're just making those pieces for a moment in time to hijack, whether that be a trend on social media or a kind of general trend that is happening. And also fast fashion to kind of guide people in their kind of choices when there's no kind of um transparency mm. so thus we immediately know that that is defined as fast fashion are there any right brands there you there? recommend like or just brands that you say stay away from um in terms of sort of fast fashion sort of how we dispose yeah. less yeah completely so i'd say um one of the main things that you can do is looking on their websites to say if there's even a section there. Because what I would note as well is it's not completely dismissing some fast fashion brands because a lot of things are doing, a lot of brands, sorry, are doing more and more good things. And that honesty again and that transparency and being like, you know, we're working towards this till um, in, I don't know, 2222. We're making these changes in our production line. So I think it's worth looking there. Um but I would say in terms of brands to avoid, Arcadia at the moment for many reasons, <laughs> not just the fact of their sustainability, but also as well, sustainability comes down to, do you really want to be buying from somebody like Philip Green? Does that align with no. your, with your kind values. of politics and values? <laughs> and that can really kind of guide you yeah. in what you're doing. Um, I'd say look to an amazing um, platform called What's Your Legacy, which is run by a friend of mine, Madara, which lists is a directory for um, sustainable fashion brands. Oh, amazing. And is done in such a stylized and engaging way. Um, and then, of course, get yourselves over to Kogo, where you can go to our <laughs> fashion section and shop and edit there. Um, but I think as well, go with your style and lead with that. And I would say most small businesses are sustainable. Mm. Um, so start there. To be now. Mm. Exactly, exactly. Just to add to that, I don't know about you, but I haven't yet. But I really want to. There's so many of these like hiring, well, not so many, like hiring yes. startup businesses now. And they have um, pieces that you can sort of order like two weeks 
for two weeks or whatever, try it on, send it back for free. And they, the, some of the clothes they have are amazing. I've been like looking through their Instagrams recently. I'd really like prefer to do that after learning more about sustainable fashion than just buy. Like, yeah, you could get like a festival. Completely. Yeah. This goes back to yeah. the point that, um, that you know, one for example, wear the wall, her thing as well is the fact that you're allowed to have, you're allowed to love clothes mm. and you're allowed to have like outfits. But the thing is, it's that relationship as to how you're going to wear it. So therefore, um, Where the Walk, which is an excellent um, rental service, gives you access to some of the craziest clothes that you know hiring them. You're hiring them for that one moment in time. Mm. Um, so therefore, yeah, rental is an amazing route to kind of solve that. Because that's dis- so many of yeah, your outfits. Yeah, that disposable issue. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you're, you're allowed to enjoy an outfit and wear it once. That's okay, but it's about a different way in doing yeah. that. Or whether you buy something and you give it to a friend or somebody else who really likes it and can treasure it and it can have another life yeah, but I, I think, think rental is really exciting in terms of sustainable fashion because you know we've come so far with airbnb mm. even like car rental now so many people yeah. do not yeah. you know ownership is just not a thing anymore mm. and i think for fashion there's a lot of really great um, potential there's also a great brand called um her who do peer-to-peer rental which again is pumping that economy back to the consumer and to give them voice um so basically peer-to-peer rental is say for example you want to go out and wear at a really amazing um dress that evening maybe a designer one well somebody down the road has that in their wardrobe so you're borrowing it for that night or for that week and also everybody in that transaction is benefiting and as the person who has loaned that dress to that other individual is also making sure that their wardrobe can go further as well and have a new lease of life and make money from it that's the great thing about sustainability it you know is great in terms of the commercial aspect and that should be celebrated what's that called that's it's called her rental i might be pronouncing it wrong it's h-u-r-r it's only recently okay. i think i've seen it yeah is it on really facebook and instagram platform. i feel like i've seen they it do a facebook. lot of advertising yeah. yeah but um it's kind of like an ebay but for rental mm. kind of thing what do you think is like missing from the sustainability like what do you think is the next step in this sort of evolution of the industry? Completely. Menswear as well. Sustainable mm. oh, fashion true, is completely synonymous with women. A certain aesthetic as well. Like, I've touched on that. I think it's getting better. But, you know, for sustainable fashion to work, it's got to be inclusive and accessible. Um, and I think there can be a lot of issue with, you know, you completely understand people coming from certain positions aren't going to care about, you know, where their kids' school uniform's from. Mm. And you've got to completely understand and respect that. Um, So there's a kind of big education piece Mm. there with the consumer that has to kind of start. Um, And also a respect for the not everybody has a disposable income and can buy into these amazing sustainable brands. And also not everybody wants to go to the charity shop. I think shopping pre-loved is great and something that I love doing, getting a lot of joy from, but some people don't like that. And that's okay. Um, so other alternatives that can really match and engage as many people as possible. Uh, you mentioned there that not everybody has this disposable income. Do you think that like, the movement towards sustainable fashion might be something that's more sort of for the privileged? Because, you know, as you said, like buying something that's a little bit more expensive, that lasts longer, that will like aid in not you know, contributing to the fast fashion. Do you think people that, like, don't really have the money to be able to do that can't really afford to help out in that way? Completely. I can completely understand why a lot of people don't bother with sustainability because, you know, it's not for them and it is, you know, such a privilege. But I think the hope is that in educating, inspiring people... Um, from the kind of top down and also as well not putting too much pressure on the consumer to make those changes that those companies need to make those changes Um, and these companies are part of the problem they have fed into our kind of consumer habits so having that accountability um, there and in the hope that holding some of these bigger kind of high street chains to account you know there's a way of creating a price point into sustainable fashion and clothing and day-to-day as well that is accessible it's not just about fashion in terms of fashion and style Mm -hmm. it's about you know kids school uniform for school or your workwear and so Mm -hmm. on so I think there's a lot of work to be done there and it has to be recognized that sustainability Mm -hmm. um, at the moment seems to be a very kind of exclusive thing with like the liberal elite and the white middle classes like instead of buying five different tops that all together came to maybe 20 pounds you could have just bought like one nice like sometimes you 
buy things that you don't need or like you forget to return yeah. things so it's just like just be a bit wiser with what yeah, you buy maybe completely and it comes to the cycle of our clothing as well we're so quick to dispose of everything that has like a hole in it or whatever um as opposed to um you know tailoring Stitch it, it stitching it yeah. up um, and that goes back to politics as well. So one of the big things at the moment is they're trying to take VAT away from repair services. Because, you know, when you get something repaired, to be fair, it's just expensive to get your, your coat repaired um, as buy, it is to yeah. buy a new one. Yeah, Absolutely. So therefore, yeah. nobody's doing it. But taking the VAT away and having that as a kind of government um, initiative would do amazing things as to, you know, yeah. people getting things repaired more and more and that relationship with clothing. Yeah. I would definitely say that... Um, sustainability in fashion with when without any research and without actually looking into it does sound like like a very not I don't know what the word is but you can a certain income can can only really participate in the movement but I see what you're saying like it makes so much more sense to take the pressure off the consumer yes yeah. we can be more intentional about what we're buying but also it's up to the brands to do the research and understand that that there's more that they can do completely um, rather than putting it on you know someone all the pressure on someone who yeah. maybe can't afford to, to, to buy that one top needs yeah. multiple yeah. tops and, <laughs> and government as well you know fashion as I said is worth 32.2 billion pounds to the UK economy but like you know, we have all these ministers for agriculture. We talk about fishing every other day in like politics, um, in parliament, sorry, but fashion is only just being spoken about. And, you know, the power that our government can have in holding these brands to account can do a lot and to take that pressure off the consumer because there's a balance. Obviously, there's an education piece, mm. but also these big brands need to be held accountable. Can you give us like a few like top five things that people can do just little things that would really help towards just being that little bit more sustainable of with course, your fashion yeah. choices so first of all look at your wardrobe there's probably some amazing stuff in there spend one like afternoon like reworking it and re um looking at outfits because you never know what can go with what and it's the most exciting feeling and also really recognize the clothes in there that you treasure like a lot of those clothes in your wardrobe you've probably got a really nice story behind them a lot of them you probably don't hence why you need to like slow down yeah. Yeah. Um, as Marie Kondo would say do they yeah. spark joy <laughs> um second to that as well enjoy it have fun like you get such excitement from finding brands that you love whose aesthetic you love and most of these brands tend to be small businesses so one purchase for them is so important yeah. and having that relationship with a brand you're buying from is great yeah. and really lovely and you want to tell people about it like somebody's like oh where'd you get your dress from rather than being like oh top shot you're like oh well basically like this brand like yeah, the person runs it yeah. and it's like a lovely kind of and then of you're promoting them as well exactly mm. relationship to have with your clothing I would say thirdly as well you know shopping second hand I get it I love going to charity shops I get such a thrill from it um, it's exciting but I get that that's not for everybody but with you know apps like Depop it's an amazing opportunity that you can still shop at Zara or on that trend that you like, but you do it in a way that is secondhand and clothing that isn't staying in, you know, that girl's wardrobe for the next four years, getting forgotten about and then bagged up to the charity shop. So, you know, I'd say that as well. Be clever and be savvy about it. If you see a dress that you really like in Zara, but you're like, oh God, like, I don't want to like put my money there. Put it to the girl down the road who's yeah. listed it on Depop because mm. the sad reality is that she probably she already might got put it, it on there yeah. straight away. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be savvy like that. Um, repair things as well mm -hmm. you know teach yourself how to repair things there's so many videos on YouTube and in like I've just got back on my sewing machine recently and I have the utmost respect now for how clothes are made because it's so frustrating for me mm. to even make a bloody cushion so I'm like oh my goodness like <laughs> you know and I did textiles and stuff and it's like I've got basic yeah. kind of sewing skills so yeah and also like swap with your friends I don't know why we stopped doing that I used to do it so much more yeah. when I was younger um, probably because it caused so many arguments at like school or whatever. I still <laughs> but you know, you're going for a night out, like raid your friend's wardrobe yeah, and vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me raid your closet. All the options. Yeah. yeah. So I know we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but I just want to come back to it um, about sort of people working in factories and sort of how you reconcile that tension. Um, and I was reading a book. It was for my exam, but I was reading it. Um, and it's called Bananas, Beaches and Bases by Cynthia Enlo. Um, really easy to read for anyone that wants to read it, like written in really clear English. Um, but she basically talks about the women that work in these factories in Bangladesh, in India, in Turkey, wherever your 
clothes are made um, and how they get paid, sort of a really low minimum wage and stuff. Um, but she says we have to listen to them and what they say we should do because some of them say don't boycott us, like I need this money, especially people working in the factories, like we need to continue to survive and feed our families. So do you think this whole boycotting of industries is a Western, maybe white, middle-class thing where it's like, let's just boycott it when you're not actually thinking about who you're harming at the end of the line? Completely. And I think it's no kind of one-size-fits-all approach. You don't just stop buying from the high street. The UK public doesn't stop buying and then suddenly there's all this change. Mm. It has to be a kind of 360 degree approach and that is user consumer as I said before you know contacting Topshop and saying I really like your stuff I don't want to stop buying from you but I need to know where your stuff's coming from and put that pressure on and also um government as well but the sad thing is I don't think the reality that that's ever going to happen that we're moving towards a sustainable fashion movement where there's going to be an issue that people are out of their jobs because sadly consumption's up Mm-hmm. which yeah. is a scary thing you know consumption for who was it boohoo was up by 22 percent last year which is a fast fashion brand but there is also i think you're like what you're touching on there and i think what's really important is this notion that we need to kind of like save people yeah um you know these people who are in these awful situations which obviously ex- completely exists with fast fashion but there's an approach there that's done with respect and working from the ground up because as well going back to the fact when I was talking about like trying to make a cushion these people who are at the heart of the fashion industry are some of the most skilled people there in terms of what they're producing so how we understand the garment worker as well is something we really need to reconfigure as somebody who's got this amazing skill and talent and without them there would be no fashion whatsoever and that's something we really need to work on as well because there's no one size fits all when we come to talk about wages as well it's so much more than that it's about working conditions it's about living wage but what does that actually mean in a lot of places living wage means um not much because sometimes I think it's quite naive to just be like I'm gonna boycott it because like obviously you'll make a difference but I think at the end of the day, it's the country that needs to change the legislation of the minimum working wage, of the conditions of the factory that they're working in, and the relations that they have with like these massive multinational companies that needs to change. And I just don't know if we're powerful enough to impact that. But also, what about like all of the fast fashion clothing, like the cheap stuff that you buy in on these websites, Boohoo and all of that, that just ends up getting thrown away and going into landfills, and that's completely creating a whole nother like environmental issue yeah. like obviously yeah. um these women and whoever works in the work um factories livelihoods and jobs are important but then ultimately that might be creating more environmental yeah. issues that could be damaging for them too and also as consumers we've created that issue in the first place and i think that's really important to recognize we've created this first for low wages and overproduction. Damn and capitalism. <laughs> we have the power to turn that around and to advocate. And I think that's something that I would really try and hold as a consumer trying to change to be like, no, your voice does really matter. And the most amazing and important thing that you can do is to advocate and to hold people account. Because, you know, you can still have a really successful economy and be sustainable. In fact, actually, it's more commercially viable. But we need to re-kind of configure how our economics got to this place of consumption and low pricing and thus, Mm. you know, the issues of workers' rights and workers' conditions. So would you say being sustainable would be buying things that are made in this country or things locally? No, not necessarily at all. I think that's another thing. It's not about suddenly being obsessed with things only being made in the UK. There are some great brands, for example, Lucy and Yak, this brand who's braced in Brighton, whose stuff is still made in India. Um, but they go out as the designer, as the company, every four months to check in on their factory. And they have an amazing um, living wage and beyond in place. And they talk about that. And they also do a lot of work in education as well, in terms of educating their workers and growing them to be business partners as well. So I think there's great opportunity there. It's not about just suddenly boycotting everybody outside the UK. Because also as well, it's important to reiterate that in the UK as well, there are still very poor working conditions um, at every level. So, yeah. I also think it's about being a bit more woke. Like, 
is it just me? Like, but at the moment, I'm just seeing 20%, 20% off, 20% off, 20% <laughs> off. Like, but you're actually not thinking about the fact that to maintain this, the same standard of stock that it was at yeah. when it wasn't on discount is probably putting a lot of pressure on the workers. Like, um, even the warehouse workers in mm-hmm. the UK, the delivery drivers, like, I don't know, like, it probably has a much more completely effect. On every level, we look at Christmas, our kind of, this constant fear as a consumer there, like, have I got enough? Mm. Have I purchased enough? Have I got enough presents? I want to buy this for this Christmas party. Mm. Black Friday, the most horrific yeah. time of the year. It's like a month now. It's so much. <laughs> yeah. It's so scary. Yeah. So I just feel like every day is Black Friday. Thing, yeah, mm. curated for us to constantly buy and have this fear within us as consumers I that must, we must, yeah. we must, must get this. Mm. And it's never going to be at this price ever ever again <laughs> it, it like, feels like that because like, it's like 25% today only it's like oh my yeah, god I yeah. need to use this discount you get so caught up in it and people get obsessed mm. like even some of my friends like the way they talk about it oh I've got to get back for the Black Friday sales one of them said to me I was like are you actually serious like <laughs> do you understand how you sound like do you really like, think you're getting a bargain they knew it was going to be at that cost anyway come on that like, is honestly the opinion of so many yeah, people right yeah. now like everyone just needs just people need to know more about this and just as you said just be it's more time to start about unsubscribing from on. mailing lists that's Literally, my weakness I was just thinking that I need to turn up the notifications on my phone because every single day I get I think majority of my emails are marketing emails of 60% off or two for yeah. one just create a new email just absolutely everything that's why being sustainable was so easy for me I was like this is so boring it's so exhausting I wasn't <laughs> seeing anything inspiring on the high street anyway I wasn't missing really like Topshop or Zara or anything clothes have been dead exactly because clothes are quite yeah. boring these days nothing that inspiring and then also all these like sale emails coming through completely my inbox was the same it was like oh it's just suffocating like it really is so are there any brands that you would like recommend like some of your favorites yeah so i'd say an amazing swap is a brand called um veja which do a really amazing um sustainable trainer because actually most of our trainers are made of rubber right which is huge for deforestation and didn't even think of that yeah neither did i like i didn't even when i first started as well i was just focused on clothing i didn't really think about shoes but of course you don't think of shoes of course completely um so veja is a really great alternative to a trainer that's trendy and they've done so well they're kind of similar to you know the adidas stan smith mm, kind of yeah. style just the kind of really cool like white trainer and design and they really i last. think i've seen loads of people wear yeah, them is it the one with a v on v. the side and they've become a trend so most people don't even realize this i didn't even realize but that's great yeah. i think mean, that's really mm. important the fact that they've created a design that's amazing and then is an amazing product yeah. Yeah. um as well in terms of its ethics and they come in at a price point around 95 pounds which is the same as a pair of air maxes mm. you know um that price point Barcelona is doing a lot for sustainability for me because that's the way that it's stylized. Again, going back to aesthetics is really important not to compromise on my style. There's a great brand called Paloma Wall who are based in Liberties at the moment and they do some really amazing um, stuff and just really fun things as well. Like most sustainable brands that kind of go down that same colour scheme mm. and palette whereas their stuff's just really bright it's all very pastel yeah lovey <laughs> that's what I just see when I think sustainable it's going to be just like very pastel plain colours which is fine sometimes that's some sometimes that's an aesthetic yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, in winter you might want something a bit more bold or completely even in spring I don't know yeah. completely there's a really great brand that I love as well that's quite hard to get in the UK called um, Noah and it was founded by the ex creative director of Supreme so it's oh. kind of this cold streetwear brand which is hard to get in the UK because it's not really stocked here but also because it has so much hype around it um, but is a brand that is completely sustainable both in terms of production but also in terms of their kind of community projects that they do with a lot of their um, clothing and what they work on and also Patagonia is an amazing example um, yeah. as well as a brand that is going above and beyond what they're doing for example when um trump lowered tax on businesses they decided to take the money that they would have spent in tax and give it to environmental um issues you rock patagonia so yeah exactly like brands (laughs) are doing so much more i think that's as a real consumer kind of first for brands not to Mm. just to be producing clothing but to be and then they're getting picked up by these like mainstream like retailers like asos because i know patagonia is exactly so that's yeah yeah like Exactly, yeah, people brands. want more from yeah. their brands, yeah. That's so good. What do you actually think of Supreme, just like as a brand? They are sure. jumping on the fact that as consumers we're obsessed with having and we're also obsessed with exclusivity. Yeah. Of course Supreme and Hermes can up their supply chain any Anytime, day. Anytime, yeah. Any day. 
but that's what their whole brand is built on. But I mean, it's amazing. Somebody should do that as a dissertation. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and same with like um, with Burberry when they like burnt all of their mm-hmm. extra stock. Yeah. What What did you think of that? I mean, Burberry is an absolute joke. You know, <laughs> it is just. I like, thought you were going to say institution. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's more sad when you see luxury brands doing that because, mm. firstly, we like with. We go straight away to your misguided, your boohoo's, your top shots, whatever. But luxury brands at their price point, you'd expect it to be made out back, tailored mm. for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think it's Is it more... not? No, of course not. They're often oh, made yeah. in the same factories mm-hmm. um, that are having these issues with these high street brands we see. And also, them need to be held. They need to be held more accountable for what they're doing because at such a high price point, you should have all aspects. Of, I really thought it was like chain. handmade. Curated. I mean, there's differences. Don't get me wrong. Some designers do it really well, like Stella McCartney. Um, but a lot of these um, designer brands are just as bad, which is more kind of worrying. But with Burberry burning all that stuff is just absolutely despicable for the fact that they didn't want their brand to be degraded by the fact that it would go on resale. And they didn't think that would be degrading their brand. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and how many other how many other brands were doing it and how long was it going on yeah. for and then somebody caught on to it as opposed to why don't they save that byproduct or produce less to start with mm. um supply and demand a bit better save that and maybe a year's time do a collection that is reusing um yeah. those items because consum- consumers would love that as well now mm. you know there's a real kind of first and interest there so it's just dumb on so many levels. Yeah. And I so we've kind of touched on the the impact on sustainable fashion on living wage um but there's also a massive environmental piece to it as well completely and and so at first glance it looks like okay sustainable fashion well without any research is sustainable fashion is about being having organic um, cotton (laughs) cotton or something that's what i thought to be honest um but it's a it's wider than that there's there's also completely yeah burning of the yeah so every item as well is so different so starting with jeans which is a real kind of interesting item because everybody's wardrobe no matter if they're like number one fashionista Mm. or they're going to work on a building site Mm. everybody owns a pair of jeans Mm. jeans originally actually started as workwear um for construction workers to wear to work because a really durable um fabric that lasts you know levi's people would have the same pair that they'd wear for like 20 years but yet jeans have become this item that everybody has and everybody has about 10 pairs of and they are so cheap in terms of their price point compared to their production so jeans take 10,000 liters of water to make just one pair what yeah and then you think as well now they're obsessed with having ripped and distressed jeans Mm. there's that whole other um, process that goes into that so hugely labor intensive but also production intensive as well and then you think about the dyeing and the different dyes and colors that we have for jeans uh, obviously it's shocking. not natural at all and then of course that they're made of cotton which is one of the most degrading um materials in terms of our environment um so yeah every item has a kind of different impact on the environment but you're still allowed to have a pair of jeans yeah. they're still yeah. a great way to do jeans but it's doing that kind of research piece and that knowledge there on fabrics. And you can often tell the like the quality, the quality of yeah, jeans. Completely. Like, yeah. The Topshop jeans that I've... I know we're, like, bitching on Topshop a lot, but, like, the jeans that I bought, like, a couple of years ago, like, holes in the crotch, the exactly. belt thing yeah. has come yeah. off, yeah. and it's like, ugh, I don't, even, I don't even know where to fix these yeah, from. Yeah, jeans can be a really amazing durable product that you can have for life. Um, so yeah, that's really interesting in terms of looking at different items in terms mm. of the environment, but a huge, huge impact on so many levels. Mm. Um, so yeah. So even if you, people are struggling to do the, the cutting back on fast fashion or something, it could be that you're being more conscious about the environmental piece and, and how much goes into producing the clothes that you're exactly. buying, I guess. So Maybe it's worth... Look, we talked about buying one top instead of five. Exactly, that's a start. Yeah, it could be something like that rather than cutting out brands or, yeah, you know, having a go at yourself because you bought mm-hmm. a festival outfit or something. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And also touching on landfill as well, I think that's really important to talk about. Mm. There's a great campaign called Love Not Landfill because, you know, even the clothes that you take to the charity shop, only so many of them will get put out. Yeah. Where do you think the rest They've go They've actually to? stopped. They and started we, saying, like, stop giving exactly. us stuff. Like, we, we don't need it. We have a huge issue with all these clothes that don't biodegrade, yeah. don't go anywhere. 
And so that's a secondary issue of the wave of fast fashion that we're just starting to realise now and is only going to get worse. Yeah, like me and Ruby used to work at um, a charity shop and I remember the bags and bags that just used to, we just never used, like we had to like yeah. steam them, put them out. You wouldn't even, you could drop your clothes off six months before, it still was at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, like yeah. you're not, it's not coming out, yeah. it's just sitting there. And I also think the people that are the visual merchandisers in these charity shops, like, you're not picking the most funkiest things. Like, it's probably yeah, giving charity shops, like, a bad rep, yeah. especially, like, yeah. Yeah. one gem. But it is when you do find that usually gem. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, there are some, and there are some really great charity shops who are clocking onto that. There's a real kind of first for charity shops at the moment. So Crisis UK do a lot of kind of selected stuff, which is really great because that's another thing you know charity shops can be great spaces if they're created like you said mm, in the right way and yeah. merchandised correctly you can find some absolute gems, gems there hmm. I've spent a lot in charity shops <laughs> I used to be quite obsessed with going in them because oh. it's just like thrilling like look <laughs> it is yeah now. and I actually love the messier the better when it's not too merchandised yeah. so people don't know so like, you don't know yeah. <laughs> like it's hit and miss maybe one time you'll go in and, get, and I think yeah. other times you walk out like five you don't want items. it to be like everyone knows that this yeah, is a good exactly. charge yeah. you're never getting anything my sister and I went into quite a few that were along um, they're sort of at the end of King's Road like in Kensington yeah, yeah. there was a brand new pair I swear they were still white of Converse my sister bought them she never <gasps> told anyone they were from a charity shop she's embarrassed but I like, loved it. I'm brand like, new her <laughs> the white ones as well they were like completely unmarked maybe it depends on the area you shop exactly. in yeah, exactly exactly it. have fun with it it's exciting yeah. as well yeah. like, it is it's the biggest weird especially when you're like, seeing like a massive brand in there and some of my stuff that um, is like the stuff that actually gets oh that's a really nice top it's actually from a charity shop like the amount of times we're like oh it's actually from a charity yeah. shop <laughs> we should plus. petition for charity shops to do more with their shops like that is the way forward yeah, now that is what I was saying then everyone would be going in there but then yeah, there's so, a balance. Yeah, there's a balance. We do want more people We're just being selfish, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, they should all do that. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't you find a found? Find? Found? What's the word? What? A, a charity shop called um, The Closet. I think it's like found. So if it's fine, it's like, you, I found it. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I did. So the reason I founded the um, charity shop called The Closet was just touching on this issue because charity shops, I loved shopping at them, but obviously loads of people don't. And so why we set it up was to challenge the notion of charity shops and actually that they can be great places to not only save yourself some money, buy into charity, but also to be environmentally you know, friendly and purchasing secondhand. So we um, set that up and we were really savvy about our donations. So we would target, this was in Manchester, by the way, um, particular kind of businesses and offices where we knew the staff were dressed to a, in a certain yeah. aesthetic <laughs> yeah. that we would thus get donations from oh, that would fit okay. with where we were going. We did a big work in kind of hand-picking things. But again, this is a sad thing. We were hand-picking things out, but there was still this kind of surplus of stuff that we just couldn't sell because mm. people were chucking everything and anything yeah. in there. Um, but that project was really interesting because one of the fashion um, places that we targeted, because Manchester was a huge kind of hub for these e-commerce fast fashion Places you've got misguided there, boohoo, pretty little things. They're all based in Manchester. Yeah. Um, And they're all family businesses that were started by kind of Northern families. So it's all there. So one day we went to misguided because we wanted to put a donation box in their office. And they were like, oh, actually, we have all these samples that are otherwise going to go to landfill. They're kind of just there. Do you want them? <gasps> no. And it was this catch kind of like 22. We were like, oh my goodness, people are going to go wild for it. But this is like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but then at the same time, if we don't take it, it's, it's going to go to landfill. Yeah. So we made the decision to like take it all. And we ended up make, raising loads of money for Manchester Mind. But that experience was one of the things that really stayed with me on my journey to be sustainable because how disposable it was for them to give it to us. And at the time, like, obviously the closet was a great thing. Shout out to everybody who worked on it. It was just like a bunch of, like, you know, girls at uni, yeah. like, trying to do something. Like, yeah. we had no following on Instagram, like, nothing. Like, <laughs> but we just walked in at the right time. Like, yeah, sure. Um, so they wow. gave it all to us and seeing like literally the lorry unload of boxes lorry. and boxes yeah and the queues around the block because they promoted us on social media and we're having this misguided sample sale and obviously everything's even cheaper than it already yeah. was like in the grand scheme of things we raised some amazing money for mental health charity mine which was great but just the whole journey of that from getting the stuff to seeing like 
this queue of like girls being like, oh yeah, I came from Leeds to come here. Came from Liverpool. Oh my misguided. My friends back home DMing me, being like, oh my god, can you save me anything? <laughs> like literally, like it was just wow. absolutely bizarre, and the whole thing was exhausting. And that really kind of set me one of the main points that set me on my journey to really? be more sustainable. Um, so yeah. I guess that's a great start, though. Like it would have gone to landfill. Like, yeah. That kind of is a bit tricky and like mm. not, not as clear like oh it's from the sky yeah but still and visually seeing it all as well mm. like in one place it's literally this massive oh, room yeah. of boxes then more arrived from i don't actually get the whole point of this so why did they have why do they have so many excess like why is because they're landfill? operating at such a rate that maybe they would design one black dress as a sample and then decide they're going to take the buttons away or they have all this stock that just never went um anywhere in the sale or they missed the season it's that disposable mm. this is the sad thing that they could just give it to us at no price like we just took it all they were happy to get rid of it it wow. probably cost them more to go to landfill so they'd mm. rather us because they're churning, have it. Out, they're churning out so and... much they've got all this surplus all the time stuff that you just never don't makes see it. this like obviously in the background of their website or like when you're yeah, shopping online not. you just don't realize there's no transparency for the consumer yeah they did, don't have to list anything sorry did you manage to sell all of the stuff that they gave you there? oh yeah it went straight away oh wow it's, we had to shut it down after a week we sold out we made 12 grand oh my in God. one week yeah. which is amazing Manchester mind yeah. but like that's how crazy the demand was that was a scary thing yeah. it was like amazing it think it how like, much they make hell. on a daily basis oh yeah completely completely <laughs> um, and it was just so busy that we were writing our dissertation at the time which just wasn't me a cash thing like keep the shop open have yeah. a few things from this guy did but there was such a first and like warring hunger for it yeah. um so yeah that was that wow crazy moment cra- yeah, yeah that is crazy can i just ask like okay so you've got some clothes that you don't want anymore yeah obviously you can take them to the charity yeah. shop but then as you said charity shops also send stuff oh, to wow. landfills landfills I can't speak to but what else can we do with clothes that we don't want anymore because we don't want to just chuck them away yeah completely I think upcycling is really great and when I say upcycling obviously the first thing we think about is not like a little weird patch on like yeah. hair <laughs> like sort of sexiest of things to think about but there's some really great things that you can um create and do swapping with friends as well there are yeah. loads of great clothes swapping events um around london um so i think it's about getting creative and getting like savvy with what you're doing um and realizing that you know i hate to personify clothing but this item may not have a kind of role in your wardrobe yeah. but it might have a role in <laughs> somebody else's and like i love it like these days like when my friends do wardrobe clear out i'm there i'm ready to go yeah. and vice versa i get some great pieces like and I think it's just about more being active about yeah. that and having those conversations with friends as opposed to just... because you might be done with the product. Yeah, it's like, exactly. I don't want to wear this and post a picture ever again in this. But but I might be able to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> Your Instagram page is different to yeah. mine. Exactly. I like the idea of like being creative mm. with it rather mm. than just... Also selling it as mm. well. Selling it as well, yeah. yeah. That's the thing, you're allowed to make money from it. Yeah. So like, yeah. Sometimes even your parents' stuff, like you can borrow your dad's old top or like your yeah, mum's stuff yeah. and just kind of like alter even, it. Um, my mum, she's talking about doing like a... You know, one of the, like there's a fair near where we live, and like she's just gonna sell like loads of our clothes. That she oh wow! Home. I thought I could do this. Exactly, yeah. one man's trash is another man's, man's treasure. treasure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and come to one of our E17 pre-loved events. Sorry, another plug that I have to do, oh. which is um, so basically anybody in the East London area. Um, we do free um, sales where people can bring along their clothing. It has to be of a certain quality, so maybe things that you wouldn't go to the trash shop, but you've been thinking about selling on eBay for a while or you kind of don't want to get rid of because you like spend a lot of money on it. Um, the idea is, yeah, that kind of creation that's showing oh. pre-loved can be um, great. It's just called the E17 Pre-Love Club. Um, so you had our first event last week but again like I was shocked the things people were buying from me they're like oh my god this is amazing I was like oh yeah I guess it is but I'm kind of done with it so there you go um so yeah events like that there's tons of things happening around like London it's kind of like when we went to Australia and um, in Brisbane there's that yeah I was just thinking about that it was like the suitcase from it that they had in town in like the square like every like other Sunday or something and there was just people like lined and lined up with just a suitcase they'd open it up honestly the stuff was so cheap and it's stuff that people yeah I've got some strange things there, but also like yeah. like gems that I wouldn't find anywhere else. Exactly. Mm. And you can haggle. Yeah. <laughs> I got like a designer pair of trousers, really nice, like one of those like nice pair of trousers you can wear to work, but also wear like 
mm-hmm. anywhere. Those, I remember, pound, the black yeah. ones with the, the, with the red stripe. stripe. <laughs> yeah, no white, but oh, white stripe. Yeah, I still wear them for five pounds. There you I go. Thought, what about, and she was like, Great they really story. suit you. And I was like, thanks, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's now time for our tea break segment, and this is where we ask our guests to tell us something that has inspired them, or something that just generally... Motivated them. Yeah, exactly. So, Elle, what can you tell us? Yeah, so this is kind of quite a cheesy one, and it's kind of twofold. So, what inspires me are probably my two really close friends, Frankie and Shanika, but also, this kind of folds Ooh. into it. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out! Um, just kind of really like doing what's right for you and not getting um, caught up um, in what you feel like your peer group are doing or what should be your career trends, kind of so what should be your career trajectory. And I'm talking about that in terms of I feel like when you finish university in the UK, it can be such a passive thing to kind of just go to university. You're at school you kind of like have to do UCAS straight away and you kind of like pick it without thinking, you know, is this right for me? Do I want to do this degree? And then you go and then you graduate and there's all this kind of consuming pressure around you to get a graduate job and what you feel like you should be falling into, what's your starting salary and so on and so on and so on. So much to balance. And I think your early 20s can be a really overwhelming and quite scary time. Um, And I really found myself at my first job, which I was really grateful for. I learned a lot being like, God, like, this isn't really my passion. This isn't what I want to do, but I don't really know what to do. I don't really Mm. know where to focus. And why I say Shanika and Frankie, because they're two individuals in my life who have really pursued what they want to do and taken risk in doing that. Um, Like my friend Shanika um, is a playwright, is a spoken word artist. My friend Frankie did a degree in classics and then did a master's at the Royal Welsh, Mm. which is an amazing drama school and is now doing great great things I've seen her in so many amazing things this year and I think they really inspire me to do what you feel is right and to not kind of go on a path that you think you should be doing because of everybody else Mm. around you so yeah big up Shanika and Frankie love you dearly (laughs) so that's all for this episode of the no added sugar podcast again this is I'm not sure what episode it will be, but it will be an episode on our <laughs> <laughs> on our TBC TBC <laughs> stories to inspire series, um, where we've spoken to the amazing L all about. Thank you. Thank you so 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 much. Yeah, it like re inspired me to be sustainable because it's always in the back of our minds like oh I should probably not do this but this has really just really brought it to nice. the forefront yeah. of my mind I've just learned a lot I feel like I just really didn't know yeah stuff. it really hit home because yeah. we all spend a lot on clothes I need to cut back though. yeah it's not no it's no joke <laughs> guys I'm here for it yeah. DM me anytime <laughs> I'm here to help you on your journey yeah we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> I actually have an issue it's really we'll becoming an issue be messaging you about all the brands that you've mentioned as well because like um yeah, we get to get a list a of list, like the yeah. bands that you've mentioned. And maybe we can like post it on our Instagram and let everyone else know the different um even like the charity shops, the brands that you recommended, the swapping, mm, um, the hire. Yeah, the hiring thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. I think it's Yeah, it's just like I, everyone should take away how important it is to remember. I just remember something I was gonna say now. I was gonna say it earlier. Isn't it weird how, like, I, I actually think I heard this somewhere, but still I'm going to say it, like, it's my own thoughts. But, <laughs> I don't think you can do that. <laughs> anyway. Plagiarism. <laughs> anyway, isn't it weird how, with fashion, people just buy things willy-nilly, like, they'll see the sale and they'll buy it there and then, and they won't think about the consequences at all because they're so far removed. Mm, completely. But, like... With other things that are also sustainable areas like food, like food mm. plastic, free range eggs are literally. really good example. Yeah, I'm so. We've been so re-educated <laughs> on that. Like people are way more so like, oh, but but the plastic that that's going to be in the ocean, like yeah, millions yeah. miles away, or like the animals, or whatever. They, they they think about that kind of thing, but people just don't think about that at all yeah, with that's fashion. So true. Yeah. With food, but, yeah. it's immediate. Like, because mm. yeah. you think, where has that come We've from? We've a long way with the food industry, and I think we can do something. We can translate yeah. it. 
Definitely. And if people want to find you or have any questions about Kogo or Sustainable Hustle, etc., etc., yeah, just search me on Instagram. Sustainable <laughs> Hustle. Such a good name. So edgy. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. The amount of times I thought about changing it. So no, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, no. Yeah, keep it. And you it sticks. Yeah. Oh, guys. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Thank you again for. Coming. Coming. <laughs> coming, everyone. <laughs> Do come again soon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, yes. Um, follow us on No Added Sugar Podcast. Um, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, and if you want to ask us any questions about this podcast, we're at No Added Sugar Podcast at gmail.com. It's a lot of podcasts, podcasts in one sentence. But yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Thanks. like and subscribe. Woo! And review, because that's like what gets rated. Yeah. <laughs> we need to get in the charts, Not people. <laughs> okay, bye. bye. <laughs> oh. Oh.